This is Reasonable Doubt with your hosts, Mark Garrigus and Gary Smith. Well, welcome to uh, the Friday night finish line. You know, we've got the altar of Bart. We've got the Friday night uh, finish line and uh, Tuesday nuggets. And Gary, how are you today? I'm great, Mark. How are you? I could not be better. It's been a great week. Uh, you've had a uh, quite the busy week and uh producing Brian and Gina's uh, new episode, another one dropped today. Absolutely. And I've been spending quite a bit of time in downtown LA. It's uh, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to live it every single day as uh, as you have been for many years. Yeah, I'll tell you, we had a interesting uh, week here in Fentanyl Alley, aka Lebanon Alley, which used to be Lebanon Alley there. Uh, were you there that day, Gary, when they closed the alley and uh, I, there's some apparently rather high on something decided it would be a good idea to grab an officer's gun after getting a little chick-fil-a i was there that day i actually did not learn about the events of that day until a, a day or two later when tony told me all about it but i was definitely there that day and uh walked to my car blissfully unaware that just a scant 30 yards away that was going down so uh yeah you walked in the car i could not get out because uh, we were blocked off but i saw something that gave me some hope today as i was leaving the office you know we often talk about the um the kind of the community of unhoused that surrounds the and i say unhoused purposely to just set off some of the people who watch but the community that is uh, that is downtown la and interestingly, uh, there was a, a young man who had came to the building today, um, knocked very politely and engaged with security and asked them to call the paramedics because he wanted a 5150 declared on himself and was very um, uh, recognized the fact that he was going into uh, or spinning off, if you will, uh, however you want to characterize it. He wasn't um, extremely articulate, but but was self-conscious enough to understand that he needed help and called for it. And as I left, the paramedics had arrived and were taking him away. And I was reminded kind of of the uh, that special hit squad, if you will, mm-hmm. lack of a better term, that Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, has that I think has been very effective. I'm sure he'll get some pushback there, but he sends basically one representative police, a social worker, uh, uh, ambulance uh, driver generally, and then you get a choice of where you want to go. Right. And people say, well, that's not very kind, but I think our friend of the show and uh, and will be on the show again very soon. Uh, Drew would would say, you're not doing anybody any favors by letting them spin out of control. One of the things that Drew had said the other day when we were talking with him that really was a uh, insight to me, you always wonder, at least I do, the amount of fury and anger that you see when the people are in the throes of this. And Drew's kind of very distilling it down explanation, and I don't want to do it an injustice, but kind of that recognition that they can't, they, the frustration 
that happens when you go into these episodes and the anger that you feel because of the, you just can't escape it or can't get your arms around it you know, or your brain around it was very interesting to me because I had never really thought of it in that way until we discussed it with him. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, to put a finer point on it, uh, very soon will be our very next episode that Drew will be joining us again. So there's a little tease for anyone who is considering uh, missing the Sunday altar of Bard. Don't do that because Dr. Drew will be back. But yeah, uh, to your point, um, I would say the part that sticks out to me a little bit and always has when Drew talks about this and Drew talks about it like a broken record. So it's I'm not saying anything he hasn't said a hundred times, but it's not only the anger that they feel when they're in the throes of it, but once they're out, the anger that they have at people who would call themselves advocates, you know, saying, how would you how, how could you let me do that? Like, how could you let me live outside my mind and outside of, you know, the sanity that I need to take care of myself? Like, you know, now that I'm out of it, I, I'm, I'm looking at what was happening and you say you're advocating for me and you're trying to protect my rights. But I don't want to be in that state. And God, no one wants to be in that state. And how could you have let me do that? It reminds me of a argument that two brothers I know had over when their father was kind of in a debilitated state. And the one brother just wanted to have an event to celebrate the father, whatever the occasion was, celebratory occasion. The other brother was adamant against it, um, channeling, he thought, the father's uh, dignity and the fact that he would not have been wanted to be wheeled around like a like a circus animal, so to speak. And then the other brother making an equally, I think, valid point that no, he, this is kind of his last days, his last chapter. He's this is the time for him to see and kind of enjoy and reminisce, so to speak, and as much as you can when your mind is uh, devolved and uh, and disintegrating. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's a very interesting, I mean, the, the mental health and the mind and, uh, you know, my, um, uh, my good friend Mia's at a, uh, horrific event this week that TMZ reported on much to her chagrin with her daughter Paris, who I adore. And, and it's just a, it's, you know, it hit mental health issues hit so close to home for so many people. And we have such a kind of a, the bizarre dance that we do with mental health. And I was thinking about that for the show with Lori Vallow and the trial that's uh, going on right now in Idaho and Idaho claiming or proudly boasting that they don't have a, um, a mental health defense, if you will, or an insanity defense. But in actuality, I was talking with uh, Alex uh, Kazarian today and we were looking at that and they, they kind of do, it's just they've kind of changed the prism on it. And they, they you can't, cause I kept saying, I don't understand how this is possible. People keep saying there's no mental uh, health or there isn't any insanity defense. I said the whole idea, basically a crime is actus reus, which means you're the Latin for the action and mens rea, which is the mental state. And so if you don't have the mental state, you can't commit the crime. It's one of the, I used to call it the idiot defense. I think it was called uh, section 17 of the penal code where idiots by definition, not in the pejorative sense, but an idiot in the traditional sense could not commit a crime because they didn't have the capacity. And so if you don't have the capacity or the mental state, you can't commit the crime. It's not to excuse the crime. It's just we're saying ab initio, there is no crime. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's been discussed quite a bit when it comes to the Idaho thing. And, uh, you know, I, I believe I saw you uh, speaking with Chris Cuomo and somebody else who was on the panel was was speculating about at what point do do her does her team, regardless of her wishes, just have to kind of throw their arms up and go, look, you know, it's we'll put her on the stand and let her, you know, put herself, you know, in that category. But there's just that's got to come up at some point. Well, there's it was there's a couple of interesting points around it, and I the one of the reasons I I often uh, am attracted to these kinds of tabloidy uh, um, true crime uh, cases is that they do at least showcase certain issues, and this one is mental health. Now, mind you, she has a history, Vallo, who was part of this what they're calling the Doomsday Cult. Uh, and it's charged with killing her kids. And, you know, it's, they, can you think of a more horrific crime than a mother killing her kids? No. And I, and God forbid the, that anybody is ever, um, uh, anywhere close to that. But she was in and out of competency and competency is different than insanity and in that competency is that you cannot assist your lawyer and don't understand uh, basically what is happening and the nature of the proceedings and to be able to assist your lawyer. And she's drifted out of competency. And I've explained a number of times, and I've had this in countless cases, I can't tell you how many times, how when you have a person who has the mental health challenges, when you put them in the county jail system, when they first get arrested, they're in the county jail system. The county jail, even though as I've said often, the the last four sheriffs have all described the L.A. County Jail as basically the biggest mental health institution in the world. Even though the sheriff recognizes that, they really don't have the capabilities nor the training to deal with the mental health to medicate or anything else. So if you have a client who has those issues of competency, you declare a doubt in California in 1368 or 1369, and you then have them evaluated. You go over to mental health court and they go out to a Tascadero or one of the mental health facilities and they get stabilized, right? And then they regain their competency. And then the doctors there, rightfully so, say, okay, the person, you know, we've medicated them. We've, we've kind of stabilized them. They're ready now to go face the consequences. Well, the problem is they get then returned to county jail where they disintegrate once again. And you're in this endless cycle or circle. And that uh, I, I had a case that lasted for 10 years uh, on a murder case where that just kept happening and you could not get I mean, anybody to try to, the system just does not, un, I guess it understands it, but the system is not built to deal with that. Right. Yeah. And that case for anyone who's not following it and, you know, we haven't covered it a ton here, but I'm sure we will as time goes on is, um, God, it's it's particularly disturbing because, you know, they're one of her best friends recently went on the stand and brought with her a uh, audio recording basically where she's calling Vallow out and saying, you know, you told the cops that one of your kids was with me. Why would you do that? And, you know, to hear this woman uh, explain that, you know, well, I just did it because I needed to I needed to tell him something and I know where the kids are and they're happy and they're safe and they couldn't be doing better. When in reality, the facts of the case have shown that at that point, the children were dead. And that's just, I mean, gosh, it's uh, it's a disturbing. Well, moment. you as a parent of a young child, yeah. that just. You've always, you've always told me that. <laughs> I've, I've said before you had children and I've said it well before you were married that there it's a it's a, a, a different league. So, yeah. 
Once you have the kids and when jurors hear a tape and if they believe, and there's pretty uh, compelling evidence to believe this, that the kids were already dead and buried. And she's talking in a matter of fact tone about, no, they're safe and they're fine. They're happy. And if you accept those two things, that's it's devastating. And by all accounts, people in the, this isn't being televised, but people in the courtroom said that the reactions of the jurors were, were stunning. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I gotta be honest. I mean, look, I, as much as I would hope that I'd be able to remain a good public servant, I just sitting here without any actual consequences, I know that'd just be the end for me. I would just tune out, you know, it's like, okay, well, if, I mean, if, if I believe that, and if I am listening to that audio tape, you know, that I've heard some of, and you can find on the internet, if you're interested, I mean, it is, you know, she's, she's speaking very calmly about a subject that is just unfathomable. I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously my, so then there's the, one of the arguments that I was getting into argument discussions was, well, she doesn't want to uh, have a mental defense. It's against what she wants. What, you know, kind of that Ted Kaczynski, for those who don't remember, yeah. the Unabomber was adamant and got into and, and litigated the whole idea of his lawyers trying to uh, enter into uh, any kind of a mental health defense for the Unabomber because he believed that diminished him. And yeah. so there was that tension between the lawyers and the client. And this is always one of the, I said, this, it is a hallmark or a signature. And I want to talk to Drew about this also and talk about the phenomena, this phenomena of where the client is so entrenched in the delusion, if you will, that they don't even want to characterize it as a delusion. And they get angry if you confront them with that. Yeah, that to me is is a is a ethical conundrum for the lawyer. Number one and number two, then I've also noticed one of the things I've noticed. Uh, uh, maybe you can pose or remember remind me to talk to Drew about it. I've also noticed that when people are that get that kind of uh, wrapped up in it, and they are uh, there's that tension that exists between the lawyer and themselves when they do not want to kind of face the 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 appraisal of a third party who is there supposedly um uh advocating for them that they then decompensate and they then disintegrate and that's when you get out of the ngi not guilty by reason of insanity and that doesn't apply in the valo case but you get into what may apply which is the competency issue yeah I think we should definitely talk to Drew about that, and I've made a note here, so we will not forget. Um, what do you see as the uh, the the rest of that case? How long, how much longer do you think the Valo case goes before it heads to a jury? And you know, I, I'm, I won't ask you to speculate on the the jury's verdict, but you know, how how much longer of that case do you think we have? Well, I there's weeks at least, but I still, if I'm handicapping something, just given what I've seen so far, it would surprise me. And actually, it would it would counsel other conclusions, and I'll wait and I won't speculate. If she if there isn't a competency issue, if she doesn't at some point, you know, the, this week there was a sudden recess. 
I had immediately thought, oh, my God, there we go. She's she's not coming out of her cell or she's they're going to have to order an extraction. No, in fact, it turned out that it was a sudden death in one of the prosecutor's families or a sudden illness and not what I had expected. But I still um, have this deep seated suspicion that that's maybe that may be where we're at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. You want to change gears a little bit here? I would like to change gears. Do we have a friend of uh, the show uh, waiting to come in? We sure don't, but we have a topic that I would like to talk about because uh, Gina Grad, our own uh, Gina Grad from uh, over at the uh, LA Magazine YouTube channel, that's youtube.com slash Los Angeles Magazine videos, if you care to go over there and check it out and give a subscribe. Uh, She has been highlighting a story that's been in the news today about a particular state in our nation that has decided they are going to ban TikTok. And they are not just banning TikTok, they are making it illegal for app stores, of which there are several, two prominent ones, but there are more than just the two, it is illegal in their state, based on this new law, for those app stores to offer the ability to download the app. I, this seems like it's going to have... I, 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 that that's good. That has to get challenged, and I'm surprised it hasn't been already. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is something that's breaking in the past few hours, so it, it's possible that someone is... Not unlike you, I, you have been known to do, hold up in their home editing their lawsuit and just uh-huh. you know, <laughs> yeah, getting ready to deliver it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because you know we've also got this this restrict act that is so called you know the TikTok uh, legislation that doesn't mention TikTok at all. Now we've got Montana doing their thing. You know how how what what do you see unfolding? You know the CEO recently testified in front of Congress and to mixed reviews certainly. Um, you know, his defense was, yeah, you know, we're we're a Chinese company and we're being, you know, it's being alleged that we're collecting data, but is anyone saying that these other conglomerates, these other social media conglomerates that might not be China based, but no one's saying that they're not doing the same thing. So where do we draw that line? It's a variation on, you know, SODI defense is some other guy did it. The uh, OD defense is everybody's doing it. So uh, that's, uh, I don't know that that's going to fly. I just think that there's real problems with the patchwork because you're dealing with uh, a federal, presumably regulation. And for states to start regulating within, which is generally going to run afoul of um, the uh, various clauses, not in not exclusively the interstate commerce clause and uh, and others so that it would be based on would be my guess and there were I wouldn't be surprised to see a uh, somebody run in and get a restraining order from that being done yeah and uh, you know call me uh, jaded by some of the conversations that we've had in various murder cases that we've covered over the years but how exactly does that work if you happen to be on the border of montana and another state and how do you regulate which cell tower your you know your phone is picking up and whether or not that app is available you know e- even if you're physically in the state if your phone is connecting to a, a cell tower that is outside the state then you know how exactly do you police that and then how are you supposed to enforce it as well Exactly right. And then that's precisely why you can't have this patchwork of uh, laws or different rules for state by state for precisely the reason you just articulated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So that one's one we're going to keep an eye on for sure. Um, I I really enjoyed, you know, to hearken back to anyone who didn't hear our episode a few, uh, a few days ago with Dr. Drew. um, That was a really interesting uh, conversation on California SB 43. 
um, where, you know, for anyone who didn't hear that, there's legislation that's finally coming out of the Democratic camp in California that is aiming to give people tools to expand the the definition of uh, gravely, gravely disabled. Gravely disabled, and, right. Right. And, you know, that's been a topic of conversation for many years. I'm sitting here a mile away from the Lannerman Auditorium, named after Frank Lannerman, who was the author, along with Petrus, Senator Petrus, of the Lannerman-Petrus Act, which originally was designed for the ability that you couldn't hold anybody incommunicado against their will. Um, what has ended up happening now is, and and as Drew often mentions, that the Lannerman passed away thinking that the, it had been perverted, if you will, his, right. his active this SB 43, right? I believe so. Yes. Has been proposed in California and we'll table it until Sunday and talk about it at that point there. I also, I think on Sunday want to talk to Drew about another legal medical legal controversy, which is the abortion drug, which was, has made its way from the district court where there was just one district court judge. So there is also the issue of forum shopping who issued a restraining order, which then went to the fifth circuit, which, you know, a lot of people said stayed it, but only stayed a portion of it. And then um, uh, it went to the Supreme court, the department of justice took it there. Justice Alito pressed pause, uh, could not, uh, didn't, just until Wednesday, right? I, I, I've been right. reading. So we will be talking about it on Sunday. Yeah. It's an interesting interplay between the medical and legal again. And that's why it's so uh, opportune that we've got true on. And I, uh, I look forward to it then, Gary. Yeah. So do I, I absolutely do as well. And one more thing that we didn't touch on, uh, for SB 43 that I want to talk to Drew about is, uh, aside from expanding the definition of gravely, uh, disabled, it also, uh, removes a hearsay component from allowing in a, in a situation where they're trying to determine the competency of someone the sp 43 would allow for experts such as drew to weigh in and give their opinions on particular patients who are are potentially struggling and need to uh to get help without it being hearsay apparently up until now these experts even if they have drew's experience and you know kind of expertise in these addiction things if they were not there to see exactly what was happening then they cannot you know weigh in and that apparently is something they're aiming to change so i'd be interested to I'll give you a coming attraction on that too. I there's going to be a challenge to the law if it passes on uh, because it runs headlong into another recent California Supreme Court case. So it's another tease, if you will, Gary. And I look forward to seeing you at the uh, altar barred on Sunday. All right, legal and medical coming at us in full force. I can't wait, Mark. Thank you so much for your time on a Friday evening. You enjoy your finish line. No, I am. I'm going to get, I've arrived at the finish line. Thank you. Thanks to our sponsors, Alex and Ani and to uh, LA Mag. Appreciate it. And Gary, I'll see you on Sunday. I'll see you then, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Reasonable Doubt. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash reasonable doubt podcast.